0: everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. I'm your host Amina. If you guys are new here, we've had this podcast now for over three years, which is pretty insane to think about. And I've had some pretty amazing guests on here. The beauty of doing this is just being able to connect with other diaspora all over the world. We've had guests on the show all the way in Australia to Europe to Canada, pretty much everywhere, which is amazing, and it never seems to run out because there are so many of us around the world, which is super exciting. So for today's episode, I have one of my friends on the show. He was actually born in Sarajevo, and in 1992, his family moved to London, where He's living right now, so he's done some pretty amazing creative work. I'm going to kind of let him introduce, you know, his whole journey and how he got into working with some pretty acclaimed composers um, from the Balkans. So it's very exciting and I'm super stoked to have my friend Miran on the episode. So welcome to the podcast and just feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Hey Amina, thank you so much uh, for that lovely introduction. Um, yeah, my name's Miran Hajic, or Miran Hajic, if it's if, you know if you're from from the region. Um, and yeah, as Amina says, I was born in Sarajevo in 1990, uh, but my family escaped the the war just before Sarajevo became completely besieged um, in 1992, and we came to London. Um, and I've grown up in London, um, hence my kind of London accent, as you can probably hear. Um, but uh, yeah, but I've, I've I sort of feel uh, British Bosnian, I guess, if, if that's if that's a thing. Um, and yeah, I'm a, I'm principally a, a writer. Um, I write plays, uh, but I also have started uh, writing in other mediums as well. Uh, So I've just launched, in fact, I've I've not only written, but I've produced also a whole new uh, audio drama series called Out of the Woods, New Plays from the Balkans, which are uh, individual audio dramas um, written by writers from the region. And uh, we just launched this week um, in in June 2021. Um, Series one is Kosovo. and series one is kind of, well, there's, there's, we can talk about all, the, all the, the ways that Kosovo links in with it. Uh, I went to Kosovo in 2017 to um, uh, work with a Kosovan composer called Trimor Thomi uh, on, on a, an audio drama. And then we also have two uh, short pieces by two young writers from Kosovo called Agnesa Mehanoli and Ulpiana Maluku. And uh, yeah, you can listen to all those pieces now, which has been very exciting. We, we, we launched them last week at a series of listening events where we had uh, people joining a webinar and then we played the whole series, the, the whole episode in full. Uh, and then there was a webin- webinar afterwards. Um, uh, and yeah. Uh, that but that's me kind of in a nutshell i guess i've been i've been yeah i guess i'm I'm a playwright really but as i say like i'm 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 interested in just writing all, all different forms of uh except like novels i've never written novels or attempted novels but yeah plays audio dramas i'm trying to write some tv as well um uh yeah and that's that's me really
0: very cool. Yeah, I am trying to write my memoir right now, and I would not recommend. It's very difficult. So yeah, I bet. Maybe maybe stick to this. Um, but I think there's something so powerful just about writing and being able to preserve these stories and these different cultural traditions. Because I always think about. What's going to happen after our generation and what are we going to have left, you know, for people to understand our people, our region, just where we come from in general. So I really, you know, applaud anyone who is doing any kind of art form, really, whether that be, you know, this audio drama or if you're a painter if you're a writer if you're you know a videographer it really doesn't matter i just think it's cool to kind of see it from everyone's perspective because everyone does have a little bit of a different perspective right you know you were talking about how you grew up in the UK and you were calling yourself, you know, like English Bosnian or um, whatever you said. And it's kind of interesting because even growing up here in the U S there are certain characteristics and things that I feel like I've developed that are different from someone who either grew up in like Germany or even in Canada. So um, it's really cool when we, of take our experiences and put that into an art form and just express ourselves so yeah we can talk more about out of the woods and i'll have all of the links to everything in the description for anyone who is listening and is interested in checking that out but just going back to your i guess career and just creativity in general when did you first become interested in writing and producing
1: well I think I've always been interested in it. I, I, I remember writing for fun when I was quite young, you know, and and also doing stuff like um, making films with some of my friends. This is maybe when I was eight or nine or ten, making these little kind of really bad ripoffs or remakes of James Bond. Um we did some horror films as well. We did like spoofs of the news. Uh yeah, we we were lucky enough to have like a movie camera that my parents usually use to like videotape holidays or, or or whatever. And so we yeah, I remember making um Faulty Towers, I think was the was the first one that I made. I don't know if you do you know Faulty Towers. It's a, it's a it was a UK sitcom with John Cleese, Basil Faulty set in a hotel. Is that familiar? It's been quite it's quite I have, popular.
0: I have not heard of it, but it sounds okay funny
1: well anyway we we yeah we remade it and uh that wasn't really uh that that was that was right right at the beginning of my career when I was eight or nine um but I feel like I've always had this kind of uh impulse to make stuff and, and create stuff and as you say it's a very powerful thing you know because on the one hand it's it's a way for you to express something um which maybe you feel is is necessary or you just kind of do it for the love of it you you do it for the uh for the enjoyment of the written word on the page or uh a a film or a, a piece of poetry or whatever you get something out of that you enjoy it and and that's good enough reason to do it but also the other thing is that it's a ama- and it's an amazing way to communicate and it's an amazing way to uh reach out to people and to uh move people which is what I think stories can do. Um, so, yeah, I, I remember writing um, my first ever play when I was about 17. Um, I went to a school where there was not, where there was, I guess people were, it was quite a high achieving school in many ways and everyone was doing very well and I felt like I wasn't doing well and I remember having a conversation with uh some teachers who are—I was trying to get into the into college, into the college of the school, effectively, which is called sixth form here in the UK. And we were about to take GCSEs, which are exams that everyone takes in, in the UK when they're sixteen, if they're in school. And these teachers said to me that I, if I didn't get better grades, if I didn't get good enough grades, I'd have to find another school. And obviously, I really liked this school. I had lots of friends here. I really, you know, wanted to stay. But yeah, I really struggled at, at, at school. I, I just, I guess, I just found particularly things like maths and physics. I just couldn't get my head around it, which is weird because now I find that stuff fascinating. But at the time, it just felt like it. it, it well, it just felt like a chore, and I, I and, and it made me it made me feel kind of not very smart. Basically, I can't remember what compelled me, but I, I decided they were doing a school production of the John Steinbeck novel of *Mice and Men*. And do, do you know that story? I Book. do. That one, yes. That one, I do. That one you do. Good. <laughs> uh, well, so you, you probably know George and Lenny, the characters in that. And, uh, you know, it's set in post-Great the post Great Depression US. And George and Lenny are two workers and they're trying to look for work. And George is a kind of cynical, smart guy. And Lenny is his kind of big, lovable, but slightly slower uh, friend. And they're traveling around. And I was cast as Lenny in this uh play and i you know i was taller than everyone else as well so I, I was kind of a good fit but and you know i so i started like rehearsing this play and doing this play and there was something about inhabiting a character and sort of engaging with a piece of writing and a text that just really brought out the best in me and I guess gave me a new it it gave me a new kind of confidence in myself and that's when I really realised. Oh, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I I really love this like, cr- creative, particularly like performing, kind of aspect. Uh, performing not aspect, but performing um, uh, field. I guess like this this kind of area. I love I love, I love the idea of live performance or of, or of uh, storytelling. I think storytelling is fundamentally what it, what it was. Um, and then yeah, because I did this this play, I I, I guess. It suddenly gave me something to fight for, um, in terms of you know trying to stay in the school and get better grades and and stuff. And also something interesting happens where you then, because you've done this play, you've inhabited this character, you've uh, you've um, what's the word I'm looking for? You've thought about this person's life journey and you've thought about their aware their intention and their motivation in the world. It kind of then makes you just want to learn more it makes you want to learn more about the world the wider world and it makes you uh, uh yeah i think i think it kind of broadens your your view a little bit by doing something creative um so it was i think after that that things kind of changed for me i i i, I suddenly realized i was good at something i had something to offer um and i also had a kind of specific calling which i guess was to do to do some kind of work in i don't know theatre acting i think at the time i thought i could be an actor but then in sixth form which i you know and then um so i was 17 then there was a playwriting competition being run by this uh, other college um not it wasn't at my school it was at another college in london and they were looking for one act plays so I wrote a one-act play that was partly inspired by, well, it was totally inspired really by the war in Bosnia. Um, it was called Door Slam Shut and it was a short play in which three uh, men are in a room and two of them know why they're there and the other one doesn't. And the, it turns out the, tw- the twist is is that um, they are conscripts. They're, they're conscripted to fight in a war. These three men, but one of them doesn't know it, and the other two do. And I don't know, Amino, if you ever saw, have you ever seen No Man's Land, the film by Danis Tanovic? Yeah, so it was kind of uh, not a rip off of that, but it was a sort of, (laughs) it was uh, you know inspired very much by that story, which is about three three men in a in a in a trench in Bosnia. Um, and so Door Slam Shut amazingly came third prize in this competition, and I won like fifty quid or something. And I got to see my play staged by these uh, acting students at Kingston College, which is where it was. And I remember just turning up on the first night and, and seeing, you know, I'd written this play, I'd submitted it, and I hadn't really seen it ever since. And I, did, I wasn't part of the rehearsal process at all or anything like that. But then suddenly I arrived at this college, this theatre, and these students, these people these actors were doing my work they were doing they were performing my writing and it was just like one of these moments where it was just like magic you know you 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 just couldn't really uh couldn't really believe it and i think i from then i just always had this kind of bug of particularly writing for for theater um well, I think I think it also kind of runs in in the family as well. I mean, it must do. M- my mum is a uh, piano teacher and a pianist, and she was a concert pianist back in her in her day in, in Yugoslavia. And she, you know, particularly when I started showing more of an interest in theatre, she started taking me to. Different types of shows, things like Samuel Beckett plays, you know, Waiting for Godot, and uh, she introduced me to much more like European drama, uh, Eugene Ionesco, like absurdism, and it all. I think that was like a real, um, uh, yeah, godsend, really. That I could, that I could, you know, if you if you have a parent who can encourage that and who can take you to places and kind of make, teach you a little bit about stuff, uh, that's amazing. Her mum then as well, um, who sadly passed away when I was very young, but her mum, uh Raza, was a also a writer, but she wasn't a, a kind of creative writer, she was like a she was a, a literary critic, I guess. Um, and she was also the first dean of the only performing arts academy in Bosnia, in, in Sarajevo, the Senska Akademia. Um and she, yes, yeah, so she was the first dean there, and so she, she is was something of a kind of big, quite a big cultural figure in the cultural scene in, in Sarajevo. She knew as well, and she wrote books about Mesha Selmović, who was the, you know, one of the uh, biggest writers to come out of Yugoslavia. And she also then worked with loads of amazing students at the at the uh, the, the, the university. So I kind of always thought she, you know, sadly, like I say, she passed away when I was very young, but I always feel like it would be pretty cool if she could see what I was doing now and see that I actually ended up doing theater, which was, I guess, her her love as well. Um, but, you know, I keep saying about theater, I'm, 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 inter- I'm, as a writer, I'm interested in all forms of writing, you know, I want to write for film and TV and yeah, keep on writing audio and radio. Um, yeah. Uh, except novels novels I can't I don't think I'm going to do that that's that seems like way too much hard work
0: it is because you don't have that um like visual medium I guess you know it's all just on paper and so you really kind of have to work extra hard to convey you know an emotion or a feeling or putting the reader essentially in whatever experience you were in so lot of the things that i've written so far i have to approach it as you know that person doesn't know anything about me at all and so kind of writing it from that perspective is definitely challenging but going back to the play and everything i know what you mean just about seeing something that you've created and then seeing other people either for me it would be Seeing people wearing my clothes and giving it as a gift, you know, to their parents or to a family member. And so being able to see something that you've written appreciated by a bunch of other people, it's kind of the same feeling. Like, and I don't know if you're the same way, but when I was younger and still now, I remember getting so excited just any mention of Bosnia or Yugoslavia or just anything that anyone would say that would just be super exciting to me because Mm. only would it you know stir up a conversation but it was just kind of like this little moment like oh yeah you know that's where I'm from like it doesn't get talked about enough but it's really cool just to have that feeling and so Yeah, I think that's awesome that they got to put it on. And that was, you know, one of your, I guess, like turning points just in your confidence and what you wanted to do, like kind of knew you wanted to go down this creative path that your family had also done, which is really awesome. And yeah, I think having that form of like creative expression, especially at an early age, definitely does help. Um, I never did theater or anything like that. I was in orchestra, so I did that for like seven years. And just being able to go in, you know, get this different piece that you're going to play. And even though it was classical music, it was still really just fun just to go in there and kind of forget about all of my other classes. That was really the main kind mm-hmm. of motivation. And eventually after a while, you start to see like how beautiful it really is to, you know, play with all these different musicians and just see everything come together. It's like a really cool feeling. So I highly encourage anyone like I know there's people probably listening that are thinking, well, I'm not creative at all. I've heard people say this like all the time and it's just like you just kind of have to find those things that you enjoy. You don't even necessarily have to be good at them, but just something that you think is fun. Like you can be creative. You just have to put yourself I think in those different experiences.
1: Yeah, totally. I think people people are g- generally worried about, you know, it seeming like it's failing or it's that it's that it's no good or something, but you know you could flip that around and say that any any play that you ever write or anything that you ever write is always going to be a failure like there's there's always some element of it that's that's not right so you know you might as well just do it and and give it a go and yeah like i well like you say it's there's there's lots of benefits to it that aren't it's not necessarily just about the quality of it it's about what you might get out of it and i think that thing about putting you in the present is really important you know um we spend so much time worrying about what's happened in the past and what what's going to happen in the future but if you if you can do something like right, it can really put you in the present moment and make you mindful and i think that's incredible you know and there's no need to share it with anyone if if you don't want to that's just uh the, the activity itself is enough i think
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have friends who like one of my friends, she really enjoys writing. And so she's kept, you know, so many different journals and just notebooks, different things that she's gone through and she didn't exactly have the easiest, you know, childhood and just like upbringing. So it's really interesting, like when she talks about those different experiences it's not like super often but just seeing that she documented it she's like I'm so thankful that I wrote it down even if it was something that wasn't really you know a highlight of my life but at least you can flip back and say you know if I survive this like I can do anything like I can try that thing and if it feels you know oh well but a lot of people who are you know very successful and they are working in these different creative industries it's like they're just not afraid to put themselves out there and i think sometimes you have to um if you want to do that you know as your career profession um but definitely there's ways to be creative that you know have nothing to do with like posting everything on the internet um sure yeah 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 so, yeah there's, there's
1: there's also a kind of weird um contradiction at the heart of it all where you're like I say you could just be writing completely on your own and, and you could you know spend all your time writing um something that never sees the light of day. But equally if you're writing for something like theatre, you know, theatre is fundamentally a kind of social activity. You know, it can't happen without people, uh both in terms of the audience and other people there to make it happen for you. You know, a director uh, the actors, the sound designer, lighting designer, and so on. Or, you know, and that, and that goes. The same rule applies to audio drama, um, which you know is recorded in a room, uh, in a recording studio, and then and then put out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's one of these interesting things where it's this intensely private thing writing, but fundamentally, especially if you're doing it if you're doing it for theatre, it's for a public space. And so, I guess you have to sort of grapple with both those those ideas,
0: right? What people will say if they're going to like it, if they're going to understand it, and
1: yeah, 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 and also just yeah, and also just like uh, working with other people. You know, it's Perfect. not just it's not just and, and also that it can't it can't exist without other people as well. Um, yeah,
0: definitely and then just working with other creatives and um, working on these different projects. So you mentioned earlier that you traveled to Kosovo and work with an acclaimed composer. So what was that whole experience like? Was this your first time like really working with someone, I guess that was uh, more notable, just like in this kind of form of work or how did that play out?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, this was the first time that I worked as a writer so directly with a, uh, a composer, a musician, um which is, yeah, this piece Fifth Dimension, which is about uh, a former popular musician who's commissioned to write a new national anthem, and it's set in a kind of dystopian UK. Um, the whole thing started in 2017 with a radio drama called On Kosovo Field by the playwright Finn Kennedy, uh, which was broadcast here on BBC Radio Four uh, in in 2017, and it's about two young uh, Kosovans who escape the war in Kosovo and come to the UK, and they grow up in Manchester, uh, and the play is about them going back to Kosovo to find out about um, find out about the truth about what happened to their parents and to find out about Kosovo as a country and to kind of go on this um journey of of discovery I guess of their identity and of course with my kind of bosnian uh heritage my you know uh balkan heritage i and 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 the fact that this kind of it's not exactly the same but it, there was a reflection there in, in terms of my own experience Finn's piece really uh, really moved me and, and uh, yeah, kind of really struck me. Um, and so I wrote to Finn to say how much I enjoyed it because we'd kn- we knew each other from before. He, he'd run a playwriting group that I was a part of. And he said, well, great, do you want to get involved somehow? Because we want to try and take the play to Kosovo. We want to, uh, or take um, uh, On Kosovo Field to Kosovo. We want to get an Albanian language version of it translated. We want to... Uh sort of just see what we can do with uh this play? can we use it as a kind of springboard into into something else into something bigger uh could we do an audio drama festival out in Kosovo or well, you know we had all these kind of mad ideas that um we we ended up sort of <laughs> whittling down into the into the podcast as it is now um but yeah that was that really kicked off uh this whole project and so I travelled out to Kosovo in twenty eighteen With one of Finn's colleagues from his uh, company Tomasha, and part of that trip, you know, we went out there to meet people and to and to discuss and to have, uh, you know, see what the infrastructure was like for audio drama. Um, But part of that trip was that I was commissioned to write my own uh, my own audio drama, which was sort of to be a response to my time in Kosovo, but it could kind of be about whatever I wanted to be really. Um, and also the idea was that I was to then collaborate with a, uh, a composer or a musician from Kosovo because Finn Kennedy's play on Kosovo Field was a collaboration between him and PJ Harvey who's the famous English uh, singer-songwriter um, and so we wanted my experience to kind of reflect that that experience in a way um, so that was amazing I you know went out to Pristina in 2018 and, and spent a week there and met this amazing composer called Thymo uh Thomy who is i mean his you know he's he's amazing his cv is like astonishing and not only that but he is a just such a, a really amazing kind gentle person to talk to and we just met up and you know had a couple of beers and coffees and uh talked about um whatever you know, Kosovo and the UK and uh what it's like to be a composer in in Kosovo and um he he told me this story of how he was invited by the Burdno Philharmonic, which is an orchestra in um Berdno in the Czech Republic. He was invited by them to come and record one of his uh compositions. But because Kosovans are uh Kosovo is not recognized by all countries um uh in in the EU the Czech state denied uh, Trimor a visa like a work permit to get out there mm-hmm. so he was in this kind of absurd situation where he was invited by this Philarm this you know this orchestra to go and be present at the recording of his of his work and yet the state was denying him and to put it into context, i guess at the same time, I was living in a country in which a year before we had just voted to leave the european union um and we the u k particularly in the aftermath of the referendum but i but I think still then and still kind of now felt very divided you know for the first time um f- well for the first time in a while it was- v- it felt very acute that that division. You know, similar, I guess, probably how you may have felt after the, the the Trump vote. Like suddenly, it was there was this real, real split in the in the country, um, and also just the kind of rhetoric in the referendum um, and the idea of nationalism. It could really become almost mainstream. It, it had been given a platform by this by this referendum by this vote, and I found that kind of worrying and concerning. Um, uh, and it reminded me and my family, I guess, of uh, you know Yugoslavia and, and, and Bosnia and what happened there. So I kind of wanted to. And so anyway, part of the part of meeting, part of the kind of sh- odd situation that Trimble found himself in was that he he was denied travel, yet I was living in a country where we just voted to kind of curtail our freedom of travel and. Uh, uh, I just the, the kind of absurdity of that really struck me and I decided that I wanted to write something about not about Kosovo or about Bosnia or about Yugoslavia but I wanted to write something about the UK then or you know uh, as as it still feels now to to this day um so I decided to write a kind of dystopia um in the uh, set in the UK in which this popular musician is commissioned to write a new national anthem and um uh, yeah, and 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 yeah. So Trimore was was a real inspiration for not only in terms of m- me and him creating this piece together, um, not only in terms of him being um, a musician who I worked with. Who I said, okay, I think at this point, this kind of music, we should we should have this kind of music, or we should have this jingle, or it should sound like this. And he would go away and, and make it, and then we'd come back and talk about it. But he was also he also served as inspiration for the whole story. Um, he was also a kind of you know the conversations that I had with him and him telling me about his battles with various uh, bureaucracies and, and various states to try and get his work on. That all served as a as a source of inspiration for for the, for the piece. So yeah, it was an amazing experience. Like truly a uh, unique and wonderful experience and I yeah like I say I, I didn't want to write about Kosovo you know I didn't feel that I was in a position I'd spent a week there it doesn't mean that I could necessarily write a play about it um, you know there, Pristina reminds me of Sar- Pristina reminded me of Sarajevo in many ways and, and Kosovo there, you know there are similarities but fundamentally they're two completely different countries and so and just because I have some knowledge and experience of Bosnia as a country, because, you know, I go back often and I speak the language and everything. Um, I I nonetheless didn't feel that I could write anything about Kosovo. I really wanted to write about, I wanted to write about nationalism, really. Um, uh, and I think Trimor got that really as well, you know. And uh, yeah, so here we are with with Fifth Dimension many years later, but it's produced and it's uh, available for to listen not on Apple Podcasts, Uh, and on spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts from
0: yeah no that's amazing and i'll have everything you know linked down below for you guys to go check out after this episode i think when you meet like-minded people and you're able to collaborate and you know just create really cool stuff that's one of the you know most I guess blunt ways to put it but literally it's one of the best things in the world because you can learn from them they can learn from you and then you end up with something that's a lot better than you know a work that you would have just done completely on your own or like in your case you know taking inspiration from that experience and putting that into your future work I think that's also really really amazing and you know talking about what were we talking about like nationalism obviously and then also how you were saying you didn't feel you know like you were 100 percent qualified to kind of write about Kosovo and things like that because you'd only visited for a short time and I think that's you know a good stance to have because a lot of the time it can be confusing and there's this kind of I don't know what you would call it but I also have to be careful just with what I say you know in regards to like certain countries just talking on our platforms and also you know I think there's this different sense of identity because the my you know relationship with Bosnia is a lot different than someone who was born there grew up there you know has lived there their whole life right so what I only know is this you know going back home on summer vacations and the very whole like you know, the diaspora are coming, like that whole kind of identity, I guess, that's, you know, a thing down there. And you don't really know what it's like to live down there unless, you know, you are living there right now kind of thing. And you have to like, remember that and have to have that in the back of your mind. Because, you know, what those people are living is like completely different than like your little, you know, summer vacation kind of, you know, thing, of course, you're gonna have fun, do all these things, but like, you're not, you're not a resident, you know, you're not dealing with the youth unemployment rate and like all of these crazy things that are happening in that country. So it's just important to kind of have that in the back of your mind whenever you're, you know, creating any kind of content, just putting it out there for people. But I think it's great to have these conversations and just have it out there for people to, you know, listen to. So um, you talked a lot or a little bit about out of the woods um, and just kind of how that had started so um, do you want to just kind of continue that conversation
1: yeah well so out of the woods is really um a completely brand new venture really for me in terms of both in terms of me producing um the the you know a series of podcasts i i've never done that before as a, uh, as, a as a writer um but also the whole concept we think is new it's a new thing we don't especially in the uk there aren't that many podcasts that are based on uh single audio dramas written by a variety of writers um i'm aware that there's a a few more in the in the us for instance the truth um which has got some brilliant pieces but I don't to my knowledge there isn't much of that in the UK, there isn't much of that in the UK um, and certainly not in the balkans and um so we really feel like we've got something here that's that's kind of new and quite exciting and um you know if you're if you're out there and you're and you're listening to this um uh sorry I mean I'm going to use the podcast as a chance to to try and uh, get some get some more rises. I'm going to use it as marketing essentially but um if you're out there and you're listening to this, and you and you think, oh, I, I've got a, I've got an idea for a story that you know could be an audio drama, uh, and you're from the Balkans, you're from the region, then do get in touch and let me know because we are, you know, we we called this series one Kosovo because, and we but we called the whole project New Plays from the Balkans because we want to go around and do more series, you know, with plays from different countries. Um, and we want to try and cover the whole Balkans. You know, we do want to do Series Two, Bosnia, Series Three, Serbia, Croatia. You know, on, on and on, um, because there's such a rich, uh, you know, there's such a rich culture and such a rich region that, yeah, there's and, and there's so much creativity there. You know, so many young people. Um, Kosovo is one of the youngest. Uh, What's well, Kosovo is the youngest state in the uh in, in Europe in terms of when it was established, but it also has uh some of the, the, the median age is something like 31. And um there's uh whereas in the UK it's like 40. And so you really it feels like it's a very vibrant, kind of youthful and and creative kind of country. Um uh yeah, and 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 also our th- a lot of our thinking in the West, I think, is are stuck in the '90s about the Balkans and about former Yugoslavia. You know, it's all a lot of it is associations with the war, of Sarajevo, and so on, and and rightly so. You know, it, it was a horrific thing that that happened in the mid '90s to that whole region. But I think what we've found really. Inspiring is that we're, we've we've met lots of people who who really just kind of want to start creating new narratives and and in so doing create create kind of forge their own identities and to not really you know the, the two plays that we that we've got as part of series one by Agnesa and Orpiana they are nothing to do with the the war in Kosovo in the late nineties. Um, they're, you know, they're still political. Uh, uh, certainly, one of them is is very political and is is a kind of satire, but it's funny and it's sharp and it's kind of sardonic. Um, and they're they're really nothing to do with with uh yeah the conflict that happened there in the late nineties. So yeah, uh, we're, we're we're really keen to sort of um, push the narrative forward, I guess, with Out of the Woods, um. So yeah do get in touch if you if you like the sound of it um because we are we are completely open to ideas we don't have any funding at the moment unfortunately uh, for a next next series but we hope to be able to raise some more money um and yeah i should I should also mention that this this first series was uh, funded by arts council england uh, and big thanks to them for for that because um yeah otherwise it it would have been difficult to get made but uh, yeah with their support we've been able to do this first series and hopefully we can do some more.
0: No, I think that's amazing. And I think we talked about this on our other call that we had, just our intro call talking about how it's really hard to find. I think I was talking about books and it's hard to find a book on Bosnia or on the Balkans that, isn't necessarily related to the war. You know, I'm talking about something that's just more like cultural or maybe it's just kind of set in the Balkans. And there's this huge need to obviously change our, I guess, um, change other people's perception of where we come from because like you said, the Western world, it's all, you know, just tying back to the war. That's all people know, because that's what they remember probably seeing in the news and in the headlines as it was happening. And so I think in every country, too, I'm starting to notice, like, I watch these different, you know, travel bloggers on YouTube. And one of them in particular, I forgot his name, but he always goes to these, like, Kind of destinations that are you know you probably wouldn't go to on holiday let's say but he wants to show the actual locals and the people and how there is a lot of beauty in these different places despite you know everything that's going on around him um i think his most recent video was he went to libya um he's gone to like north korea which is crazy just different places like that. Um yeah. And yeah, obviously North Korea is a whole different kind of scenario. It's probably not the best example, but you know, just these different places like uh Latin America as well. was really interesting to watch and how, you know, he's showing like, of course there's crime. Of course there's, you know, these different things that are happening and that's all kind of to blame on the infrastructure, like just, you know, things that are happening in like Venezuela, let's say, or Brazil, like so many, so much going on. Right. And so I think, Tying that back into the Balkans is like kind of similar in the sense where you don't really hear a whole lot of good about it, which sucks. Or if you do hear good, it's probably in relation to like, you know, maybe like certain sports players or singers or, you know, things like that, but not necessarily like, you know, just ordinary people um, in that region. So I think just taking the time to do projects like these and, you know, get in touch with people like you mentioned that are living down there that would want to collaborate or help out, I think is really important because those are the people that have, you know, the best kind of, um, I guess outlook, not outlook, but they just have, they're surrounded, you know, by everything that's going on around them. So they're the ones who are going to be able to give you, you know, paint the best picture for you. Um, Yeah,
1: completely, completely. And, um, yeah, I really like what you said earlier, just about always being mindful of the fact that... You know, for people like me and you, we we don't quite, we don't know what it's like to grow up in and live in Bosnia or in, you know, wherever else. And it's just good to be, yeah, aware and mindful of that. Um, but it's, you know, and, we, we, you know, we can imagine and we, you know, I'm sure you have cousins and, and, and family and, and stuff, but our lives are uh, very different. And... I think but but I but I think it, I think that that's part of the reason why we're so excited by this project that we can really hear from people who who have a completely different like you say a different uh perspective a different experience to to us um but yet there is this kind of uh connection uh that, that remains which is uh, yeah I guess broadly speaking the balkans in this case um but yeah, I just wanted to say I do. I do. I think it's really important to, to be to be as 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 diaspora, I guess, or as people who've, who've been lucky enough to, uh, well, in my case, lucky enough to escape um, the siege of Sarajevo as as a child. It's really important to remain mindful and remain humble of of that of that, um, which again goes back to the reason why I wanted to write a play about the UK, you know, and not about. Bosnia you know I always I think we spoke about this before I always find it a, a bit was a little bit suspicious of plays or well not plays but anything that's written by someone and it's set perhaps in the siege of Sarajevo let's say and it's not and they haven't lived that experience you know maybe they have like a a grandma or an uncle or an auntie who did but then I just think but if you were lucky enough to escape that situation then I don't know what's your place to to write about it I just find it you 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 cannot understand what it what it was like so I find I've yeah I'm always a bit kind of find it a bit um problematic but then I I find that uh difficult as well because I believe that people should be able to create whatever they want to create Mm -hmm. it's just that it has to be done with a certain level of understanding and sensitivity um, or at least be open to the idea that people are going to say, look, you haven't got a clue what you're talking about. You know, I, I, I've never written a play that's set in Sarajevo in the time of the war. I've just never felt comfortable to to do that. Who knows? Maybe that will change if, as I kind of get older, but for now. I'm pretty sure I haven't. I'm just trying, trying to think of <laughs> just in case if I've someone's listening to this and they go, "No, I've I've seen one of your plays and this was," no, no, I'm pretty sure I haven't. <laughs>
0: no i think that's really important and that's why you know watching these different movies that have come out you know just about the war and everything that has happened it's you know kind of watch it with a grain of salt like if it's someone that's not you know from that region per se you know directing filming it that kind of thing and um i don't know if you saw their recent movie um Oh my God, what is it called? Yasmila. She was
1: like Yeah, say uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, that
0: yeah. Movie, that one's really great because what I liked about it is she didn't show all of the like graphic, you know, images, like even when they took all of the men into like the school or whatever, you know, she didn't show hmm. the actual like killing, which I think is good because a lot of times what happens is um you know like my mom will want to watch these movies but then she's like i don't know if i want to watch it i'm gonna have like nightmares and like i don't know if it's the best thing necessary. Yeah. but you also want to see how that person you know made the film right and so i remember that's one thing she said i really liked how she did it and she didn't you know focus on that kind of stuff and that kind of goes to show that she understands like that we are going to watch it people who have you know, other people who have survived those kinds of, you know, different things. Um, and I think that's very important too, so.
1: Totally, yeah. I know, I would, yeah, I would recommend that. Fi- I can't recommend that film more highly. It, it's an amazing film of, yeah, what happened in, in, in Srebrenica in um, in the mid-90s. So, yeah, it's and by Jasmila Zbanic, who is a, a wonderful filmmaker, B- Bosnian filmmaker as well, we should say. Um,
0: she, she yeah, completely agree. Awesome. Um, so aside from, let's see. Oh, I skipped a question. We kind of talked a little bit about, you know, growing up in the UK and how having this Balkan background has shaped your identity, things like that. So I don't know if you want to. What, to
1: you know, can I ask you what, what, what how, how would you, cause you said, Oh, you've, you've always, cause you, when you meet people and you meet mm-hmm. people from you know, from our region, but they are, they live in, I don't know, Germany or in uh, wherever else, Australia. There are always these different uh, experiences that people have. Mm -hmm. I guess I'd be interested to know what, what are, what are are there any ones that are consistent? You know, people, people will say, Oh, this is, this is what it's like growing up as a, you know, person with Bosnian heritage in this country or that country. What are the most common ones?
0: Yeah, I think just in general, like we obviously have things that we can kind of carry on like the same thing. I'm trying to think of a specific example to give you in terms of like, I guess it's more how living, like we're a product of our environment, right? So it's just kind of interesting to see how your identity like morphs with, you know, where you grew up in the US versus someone that grew up, you know, in a completely different part of the world, but you guys are still from that same region. And I think that's something that's very kind of was confusing to me at first, because I grew up in the South in the United States. And so, you know, I learned how to drive on a pickup truck, like I still listen to country music. But at the same time, you know, I loved, you know, Marilyn, I love, you know, (laughs) everything that's come from that region. So just those kinds of experiences and different things um, is really interesting to hear. Or even like, Bosnia in general as a country like my parents are from Herzegovina which is the southern part and then like meeting people that are from you know like Brčko or Tuzla or something Mm. and they you know have different ways of you know saying different words or they have different dishes and sometimes i'm like looking at my mom i'm like do you know what that is because i've never heard of that you know and they make it in that region like even to this day like we'll find you know out different things that they eat up there because one of our neighbors is um from burch and we're just mm. like well you never eat that <laughs> or like what is that <laughs> or i'll say you know different you know diff- have different like words for things like yeah, um, yeah. you know like we always ask people it's funny just to see what they say like watermelon like how do you say that and, you know in nashi it's like oh yeah lubenica you know but like do you call it like bostan or like pipoon or like we say karpuza and people are like what is that like yeah wow. you probably never heard that that's yeah. like a very like herzogobachko like term so it's just uh, funny here like I don't know these different like nuances and stuff. Yet yeah, we're all yeah, like,
1: yeah 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 yeah.
0: You know? So yeah. I guess stuff like that. It's just like surprising to me. Um, but. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. There's there, there, there's so much variety in within Bosnia itself, and then you know broaden that out to Yugosl- you know former Yugoslavia and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if people's. It depends. I I wonder as well if it depends how present the war does feel for people, you know, like, I I feel like having that in my early years as a kid and then, you know, growing up and learning about, you know, understanding about the war and understanding what really happened and reading about it and so on, I wonder, I always feel that that's defined me in many ways. and I, I think the most fundamental way is that i really i really have a, a real kind of hatred of of um discriminating on uh, uh people based on you know their ethnicity or their gender or their i think i think having that kind of background where your yeah your your background is is um there was a war that Essentially tore this country apart, down you know, based on ethnic lines, um, for people who used to be neighbours and and were always friends and 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 neighbours and kind of, you know, my parents always say we grew up and we grew up and not really knowing like people's ethnicity, not really knowing who was like Bosnian Muslim or who was Bosnian Serb or whatever. It wasn't really that important. It only became important once these you know, once politicians started making it important. um, Yeah, I I sometimes think that there must be a common thread between all of us who've had that experience, that we all have this kind of aversion to uh, yeah, hatred that's created based on, particularly on ethnic lines, you know, um, but I guess you can broaden that that out to to anything. Um, Yeah, like I say, gender, religion, uh, sexual orientation, and so on. Um, But to put a slightly more kind of upbeat tone, I do think sense of humour as well is a huge thing in in our culture. And I think that's something that I can always, if ever I meet anyone from ex-Yugoslavia across the globe, I think sense of humour is always uh, a very important thing and very it uh, feels like a real shorthand, you know, and just kind of bonding with people over the different ways that swearing is done in, in Bosnian culture. You know, I, I kind of, I love that. Uh, although I don't think we should, can we swear on here? I, I, maybe we shouldn't go down. There. Maybe, we should, maybe this is clean, isn't it? Okay, but uh, but just the, the kind of, the, cre- the way, the, the, the most, it's the most creative way of swearing in Bosnian, I, I find um
0: it's funny because whenever people want to learn a new language the first thing they want to learn you know are the swear words
1: yeah totally funny. totally
0: um but no, understandable I, yeah of course i think humored for sure and sometimes it can be used as a way of like Not necessarily expressing grief, but just like dealing with like these traumatic experiences. Like we just kind of default to like using humor to almost like cover up kind of what we went through and like make a joke out of it, even though it's like not funny, but just the way that we say certain things, like it is funny to us, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just I don't know. Like certain things you learn growing up. It's funny to like look back on, you're like, oh my God, that's what that actually means. Or a lot of it I remember watching like, you know, Bunya Normalan and like being able to understand the jokes on there and stuff. Like that definitely helps like make sure that you're still kind of connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Totally. Totally. I think. I think that, that. I mean, I'll always be so grateful to my parents for uh, teaching me Bosnian at an early age. And f- yeah, because I think, I think it's a, it's an enormous part of feeling feeling Bosnian. I guess yeah. you know, if you can speak the language, um, you can you, you, you understand its its people. I think that's a really important uh, thing. And I and I would like to think that I'm going to teach my kids Bosnian as well, so that they can feel, you know, uh, that, that they also belong to this culture in in, in some way.
0: Yeah. Um, if anyone is thinking of a new um, business idea, or I, I had someone message me the other day, and I really didn't know how to answer, but I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity for someone to hop on this idea. But basically, she was she recently. Um, I don't know how old her son is, probably like two or three, but she's thinking, you know, of teaching him Bosnian, like she wants him to know it. Her husband is American, but she's from Bosnia. So she's like, are there any groups or resources or, you know, how am I supposed to tap into it? Because for us, at least like my experience, like you could either do, you know, Bosnian language, like classes, like at the Jamia or whatever, but that was kind of it. Like there wasn't anything that wasn't tied to like, religion in a way like that you could kind of tap into and use so i thought that was interesting and i ended up connecting her with my other friend who she actually has a youtube channel and she reads all these different books like in our language um for kids so i thought that was kind of
1: wow that's amazing
0: (laughs) yeah um sabina she's really sweet so just things like that we have to think about like the next generation like as scary as that is but that's a new problem <laughs> i'm like i'm like no one's really thought of that yet like that's kind of a you know that's a valid thing to want to create for people because language no matter where you come from like that's the like number one way that you can pass on these different traditions and just like be guaranteed that it's going to you know stay alive versus not knowing the language then
1: it's so important. It's so important. It's 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 and it's not. Yeah, as you say, it's not just about that that you can that they can communicate with grandma or whatever. It's about I feel it's about understanding, like the, almost like the spirit of of the people, of of the of the country. I think that's really really uh, yeah important, and that's a, that's an amazing idea about those books. I love that
0: yeah um i thought it was cool too so there's all these different i guess ways to carry on just like our tradition and like turn it into something that other people can consume because even before i started balkan bread like there really wasn't anywhere that you could get like cool clothes that like you know had the cities on them or stuff like that so Gives you this advantage because you don't have a lot of competitors out there, versus if you just wanted to open up, you know, a woman's clothing boutique or something that's a little different kind of thing. Mm. So, anyway, that's all business talk, (laughs) (laughs) different things, which I always like to talk about, Uh, different ideas, and just passing them along to people, you know, who are interested because I definitely don't have the time to you know turn everything into something which I wish I did but someone else but it's amazing
1: but it's amazing what you've done already with this this podcast I mean like you know I I I, I love it and I think it's an amazing uh idea and I I was really curious to know what how you kind of came upon the idea to do a balkan-based podcast series where you interview people from the balkans who are but who aren't living there right that's that's the kind of
0: for the most part yeah everyone is living outside of that region and just talking about their experiences and it really started quite randomly as a lot of these ideas have kind of started um so it was 2018 um i had just gotten back from my trip which i took a three month long trip um which was awesome it was like one of the best summers. Um, So I did end up going to the UK for a little bit to see my family in Newcastle. Then I went to Croatia, Um, Mm. we went to Albania, like all these different places, which was super fun. And when I got back home, I wanted to devote pretty much most of my time to working on Balkan Bread. And one of the things that I just randomly shared one day was, you know, what do you guys think of like a podcast? Because at the time they were becoming increasingly popular, yet I didn't know anything about starting one or what it would require from me. But, you know, I love talking to people and just hearing about their lives and what they've gone through. So it just kind of fell into place. The first couple episodes or yeah, I think the first one I recorded by myself and it was just talking about business because I figured, you know, that would be a good starting point, just that whole story because there is a huge kind of story, a lot of things that happened, you know, in my life, um all leading up to like that moment and just where we are now. So after that, I kind of just would put up these random polls on Instagram and just ask people, you know well, what do you think of this topic or would this be of interest to you? Like we did an entire episode on dealing with grief because I ended up connecting with my friend Zarina, who had also lost her dad recently. So that was kind of a way almost for me to cope with it because it was still very fresh. It had just happened. Mm -hmm. And whereas she had been dealing with that, um, it had been probably three or four years since her dad had passed. So I could kind of get her perspective and just be like, okay, if she's doing good, then I'm going to be good too. Those types of things, people really appreciated that just being open and, you know, nobody mm, talks mm. about like really mental health, like in our culture is like kind of non existent. I feel like <laughs> oh, it's not really with our generation, it's starting to kind of pick up and you start to see these different accounts and people, you know, um, putting more emphasis on it. But I'm just saying, like, from our parents' kind of perspective, it's not really something that was, yeah, sure, but at the forefront. So, After that, I just ended up like connecting with a bunch of people. Um, We did even like a dating series because people wanted to talk about that. Um, Just like talking about dating someone of a different nationality and how that kind of, you know, played out. So that was interesting. Um, And then after that, it was really just a matter of finding people and they all were more than happy to kind of share their stories and, you know, obviously cross promote and stuff like that. So it was very Mm. random and anyone can start a podcast I always say this like anyone can start a business anyone can start a podcast um you just have to do the research and put in the work and there you have it so there
1: you have it yeah nice yeah. wow well yeah thanks for that I, I, I was kind of uh always curious to know how how it all started um yeah. d- uh, it, it kind of reminds me of of the fact that Another, I guess, thing that I'm really grateful for is, and another reason for being grateful for for speaking Bosnian is the fact that in the, in the sort of mid nineties in London, when, when I was growing up as a a kid, there wasn't, I didn't go to any kind of Bosnian school or anything like that. It really was just my, um, yeah, my parents. And we didn't really obviously see much, see any family in the years of the war. So all the way up until, you know, 96. Um, I remember the first time I went to Sarajevo in 1998 was just kind of really, well, not not the first time, but the first time that I'd gone as a, you know, as a uh, conscious person. Almost.
0: <laughs> or but you I, can I remember what, you know, and understand. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. exactly. I, I remember that very, very vividly and just, uh, yeah, finding it very moving. And every time I've gone back, it's been, it's always a quite moving experience because you feel that you're coming back to home, although it's not necessarily, but it's not really home in in a kind of typical sense. Um, Yeah, it's very difficult to articulate. But I think think what's important is that it it changes as time goes on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I was very, very young, I kind of almost, or maybe, you know, I don't know if you had this, but when you're a kid, when you're very, when you're maybe, especially like early teens, or maybe mm. if you're like 12, 13, you just want to fit in. Right. So the idea that you were Bosnian and the idea that like you were different was just really not. You didn't want to. You didn't want people to know that. That's how I felt. Anyway, I don't know about you. Maybe maybe it's just me, but but I, I, yeah, I remember at the time just just to my shame kind of almost being a, a little bit embarrassed about it because it's not like there was this big community of bosnians in 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 london anyway um it's not like there was there was loads of yeah like uh, and it's not like it's a particularly present uh ethnicity or whatever in the culture um and people still have all these associations with with the war and so on uh, so i remember feeling kind of a bit no, embarrassed is not the right word of course I wasn't embarrassed but I was kind of like just kept it under under wraps in the way that kids kids might do mm-hmm. but then obviously as I grew older I realized how cool it was because as I got got older when I was maybe 16 17 18 I realized I wanted to stand out you know and I wanted to be seen different and actually it was something that I really uh you know wore as a as a kind of badge of honor or, or something mm-hmm. and uh so yeah, I guess it's just an interesting thing that that your I guess your relationship everyone everyone's identity is is complex on some level, um but I think it's important to also be able to remember that it it's a changing thing and it's it's always a process. Um. Anyway, that was just something that I really wanted to say in in you know in regards to this. Did, did you do you at all relate to that, or have you always had?
0: Yeah, I think where I grew up. So there's like a very large concentration of Bosnians. It's kind of outside of Atlanta, it's outside of the city. And I did not grow up over there. So at my high school, I think there were maybe like four or five of us. And mm-hmm you know, I was either their cousin or, you know, we were probably related, like that kind of kind of relationship. And so we had each other, but it wasn't a thing where there was a big community of, you know, people. And so even before that, like going back to middle school, which was just terrible. I did not like middle school, but I don't think there was anyone that was Bosnian at my school that I can even think of. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, you want to fit in, you want to, you know, be cool, all this stuff. And it's like, you don't really go out of your way to like let someone know that you're from there unless they really are asking you and you know want to know kind of thing but definitely in high school like end of high school that's when I was really became a lot more interested in my culture and just not that I didn't appreciate it before or you know speak the language at home and stuff like that but you kind of find this like newfound you know love for where you came from and like you start to recognize like how special it really is and it's something Mm. that a lot of people they don't have that kind of association or you know they're just kind of here they're like oh yeah my parents are from you know alabama i'm like okay great you know like and that's exciting you know what i mean not to hate on people from alabama but you know what i mean it's like you just have that like we've lived in the us for you know generations and whatever like I don't have anything here that's really you know I don't have generations of people that have like left land or left houses or you know like really on that level kind of thing so I think it does really speak true to like having this other home somewhere else because quite literally you know that's where everything started so yeah I think that's totally normal um, a lot of people too they'll listen to this like podcast or just follow us and be like you know I'm really thankful I found it because where I live, there really aren't many Balkan people at all. So at least I have this way, you know, even though it's virtually to connect with other people and they really do like that. So um, that's why we're going to keep making, you know, all this content and putting it out there for people. Um, I think it really is important. And I think that's a good kind of way to close out the episode um like i said i will have all of your information in the description so people can check out the audio drama and get in touch with you things like that um but yeah other than that thank you so much for being on the podcast today
1: no thank you amina it's been a real uh, a real joy to speak to you and yeah thanks again for do for doing this amazing podcast it's um uh yeah keep keep doing what you're doing it's really really cool
0: absolutely yeah I have to see how many episodes we're at now I can't think off the top of my head because our upload schedule has been a little bit different but definitely going to keep at it and for anyone listening that's interested on being on our podcast definitely feel free to reach out to us either on Instagram or feel free to just send me an email it's hello at balkanbred.com so thank you guys again for listening and we'll talk to you on the next episode